Welcome back to the Energy Today podcast. This is episode eight, and as always, I'm your host, Jackson Roos. So let's get into it. So first, taking a look at WTI fluctuations over the past, because we always do. We have seen the price of WTI move pretty sideways or flat over the past week or so. Um, last week, WTI brushed up right against $54 a barrel and has since settled right above $52 a barrel. It's important to remember that markets don't like uncertainty. I think we've seen quite a bit of this uncertainty over the past week. So, for example, we saw a new administration roll into D.C. And as we'll see in a minute, there was a flurry of executive orders issued regarding energy policy. Um, There has also been some negative news about new variants of the virus coming out of the U.K., Africa and Brazil and We also have continued lockdowns in some parts of the country and slowly increasing vaccinations as the new administration has promised to increase the vaccination rate. So hopefully that will lead to getting more shots in people's arms, as has been said. Um, Additionally, we saw oil inventories rise by 4.4 million barrels last week on analyst expectations of a decrease of 1.2 million barrels. So typically, whenever you see a contradiction like this, it's pretty safe to say um, that you can expect oil prices to tumble as uh, future stockpiles of crude will be something definitely to monitor going forward. Um, with all of this uncertainty, some things have put some price support for WTI. The big one has been the Saudis and OPEC Plus's restraint on increasing productions, as I have touched on in prior episodes. We are also seeing consolidation within the oil space, and most importantly, we're seeing optimism regarding a pickup in demand in the late first half, early second half of 2021, and especially rolling into 2022. Going forward into the next few months, I would imagine that WTI remains safely above $50 a barrel. And in the second half of 2021, I would imagine it remaining pretty safely above $55 a barrel. So now I want to take a look at developments out of D.C. And after that, I'll cover the oil field services space. So as I mentioned in prior episodes about what a Biden administration could mean for the energy industry, well, you know, for better or for worse, I got a couple of things right. So on an, on Inauguration Day, we saw President Biden cancel the Keystone XL project. And this project has been really highly contentious for many, many years now, I think dating back to around 2010 or 2011. And the Keystone XL pipeline was supposed to bring uh, Canadian oil sands across the border uh, into the U.S. to processing and distribution centers sort of in the central United States. So looking at some effects of canceling this, <clears throat> and according to an article on oilprice.com, canceling this project will kill thousands of jobs and I think most importantly will certainly weaken our ties to Canada um, as as people on that side, as, uh, on that side of the border, Prime Minister Trudeau, as well as Canadian officials uh, are not very, very excited about the canceling of this project. Additionally, it will also increase our dependency on OPEC or increase our imports from OPEC. Because the canceling this project is kind of feeding into the cancel culture that we have now was so politically popular, it was without a doubt that Biden was going to do this on his first day. So because it was really popular, it happened. But what's often misunderstood is that we now have to import more from countries all the way across the world, like Iraq or Saudi Arabia, uh, instead of our friendly Canadian neighbors uh, up north. 
So a, a lot of industry uh, executives are also not too happy about canceling this. Um, and I personally feel that the benefits of canceling are far smaller than, than many people think. So anyways, uh, looking at a few other orders we saw coming out of the Biden administration, we saw him rejoin the Paris Climate Accord, which President Trump left uh, a couple years ago. He also placed a 60-day moratorium on drilling on federal lands, and I touched on that on my last episode, so definitely go check that out to see uh, kind of the impacts of that. He also issued a review of EPA procedures and actions over the past four years, so sort of looking at what um, the EPA under President Trump did and didn't do, didn't do uh, just to try and get a gauge for that and see he might he might make some changes in the EPA, um, so that'll be something to look at. So he campaigned on all these actions, actions that I just listed, <clears throat> and it's really no surprise that he ordered these things on his first day in office. And it's important for this administration not to go overboard with canceling anything oil and gas related. I think it's really easy to say that anything oil and ga- gas related is bad in, 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 our, in our culture now, and especially in the news media. But it's important to remember that many hardworking Americans do work in this space and, and, and put a lot of effort into making this industry great. And as Biden has acknowledged, uh, American will continue to consume millions of barrels of oil uh, a day for many years to come. And with that being said, I don't think that all these orders are necessarily bad things. I think it's just important to do things with a business mindset as opposed to a political mindset and what will read well in the papers. So Putting that behind us, shifting gears a little bit, I want to take a look at something that I haven't discussed on the show yet, and that is what is going on in the oil field services space. So I read an interesting article this morning on the Financial Times titled, Oil Services Companies Signal Worse is Over for Sector. So oil field service companies specialize in all the products and services that help with oil and gas exploration and production, so kind of like the companies go and want to drill here, and then the oil field service companies help and assist in any way, in any way possible there. So the four main players in the oil field services space are Halliburton, Baker Hughes, Schlumberger, as well as uh, Weatherford. And these four companies are sometimes referred to as the big four in, in the oil field service space. So in this article from the Financial Times, it discusses that these OFS or oil field service companies uh, reported better than expected earnings for the fourth quarter of 2020. And coupling this, um, we have also seen the number of oil rigs increase over the past few months, as well as a pickup in demand for oil field services. So this is a good thing. So it's an indication that things in the U.S. oil space are starting to pick up as these companies assist with the exploration and drilling of new wells. and. Once upstream companies are interested in drilling and producing oil, demand for company services like a Baker Hughes will increase and have over the past few months. And oil executives are viewing 2021, according to this article, as a transition year, and then demand for their services will really pick up steam going into 2022. So this is great news. This is great news for the outlook on the energy industry, and it's certainly best uh, to remain cautiously optimistic about uh, about what's going on within this space, as there still remains a lot of uncertainty within the market that I touched on earlier in this episode and we will continue to speak to going forward. So with all that being said, 
this industry will come out the other side of the pandemic more consolidated and with a much better supply demand equation. So I'm pretty bullish in this space. And I think it's, I think it can be, there's going to be a lot of exciting developments going forward, especially with oil, traditional oil and gas, as well as uh, alternatives. So that's all I have for this episode of the Energy Today podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Roos, and I hope that you have a great week.